The Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. Thanks for joining us this week. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We look at the world through the prism of our Catholic values, our Catholic social teaching, and we try to kind of figure out how we should view what's going on in our world in a way which, if we took action, the world would be more just and it would be more compassionate. So we talk to people who are knowledgeable. We talk to people who know about the topics of the day. And hopefully we share that with you. And in doing that, we all become a little bit smarter, a little bit more enlightened, and we use that wisdom, that enlightenment to live our lives a little bit better. So, Tom, I, I, I'm going to ask you like a summer question. So okay. my summer question is, we're getting very, very close to the, um, to the summer um, uh, equinox or the summer right. solstice, right? Right. Okay. So for you, does summer begin on June 21st or does it begin on Memorial Day? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a calendar guy. So it begins on Memorial Day, definitely. I'm definitely a Memorial guy because because summer ends for me on Labor Day. <laughs> not on, <laughs> not okay, on, so not you know, you know, so you know, what we might call that Tom. What? We might call that kind of the the seasonal equivalent of daylight saving time. Yes. So in yes, other words, think you're right. Mm-hmm. You move it up a couple of weeks. You begin a couple of weeks early, and you end a couple of weeks early. Yep. Yep. I, I would, I would say that's true. Monsieur. And the only thing that kind of catches you is when you get into September and it really is still summer. I mean, it's scientifically summer. And then when you're in, you know, that September, early October mode yeah. and you get those hot, hot days, you know, that remind that's God reminding you, Hey, you guys may have your own calculations, but I made the world such that. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's a point. So I'll tell you from my point of view of golfing, I don't like golfing after Labor Day. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, okay. because like the summer's ended, then I do it a little bit, but I don't know. And But there's also another little technical reason. Technical reason is that the light is very different. Yes. The yes. way the sun is, it's kind of a little bit more actually closer to the rock. I don't know what it is, but it, it just gives you a different different feel when you're doing it. So it's kind of interesting. It's true. Um, it's true, Monsieur. <laughs> you know, that is that is is the case. So anyway, but um, so um, since we're getting we're either in summer or close to summer, um, we're we're kind of getting ready for that time when hopefully people get a little bit more relaxed and maybe they take a little bit of a break. But, I, you know, I'm not sure, Tom. Um, with COVID. Now, not that people weren't working during COVID, mm-hmm. but it would created a whole different atmosphere of commuting, of in the office, out of the office. How do you think that has has uh, affected people's perception of summer? I think I think it it, it kind of has changed 
things dramatically because I've been mean, seeing, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm old enough to remember the times when, like, when you went away on vacation, right. you were away, you know, I mean, yeah. you were really unreachable. I mean, whether, and I can remember going the places we used to go, you know, it, we used to go to motels basically. And so there was no telephone in the room, you know, you had to go to the payphone that was outside and you'd have to sit under the, you know, the lamp and the bugs were outside. <laughs> so, so when you were away, you were really away then. Whereas I think now, especially post-COVID, so many of us got used to, you know, being in a virtual world that, you know, even now today, like you can be away on vacation, you can be away in a foreign country, you can be away at the beach. And you know what? If a meeting is going on, you can still participate. So it's a different kind of understanding of what work in a way is, in my estimation. Yeah, no, I think I think you are right. And, um, you know, for good or for ill, I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot of really, really positive parts of it. But there's some parts which are a little bit, you know, a little bit problematic. So um, it is in, interesting. So, uh, Tom, why don't we go to our first guest, Professor Kevin Forster, who is the associate chair of African and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. And I'm delighted that Professor Foster is our guest. Thank you for joining us today on Just Love. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Exciting. Oh, I am great. So listen, we're on radio, which means that people are hearing voices. Uh, Fill them in a little bit. Let them know a little bit who you are, how you got to uh, the University of Texas at Austin, and kind of what were you doing before that? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm an educational anthropologist by training, which is to oh, say... Hey, Tom, I don't know. We don't like when we get all these smart people on the show. <laughs> they show us up. Okay, so we got to... Uh, yeah, I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let listeners or folks be the judge <laughs> at the end of the day. They might, okay. you know, say he's just blowing smoke. Who knows? <laughs> um but but what that basically means and what I work on is student achievement in the context of the diversity of our nation. So we don't have all white classrooms, all white male classrooms, all, you know, we, we, we've gradually become more inclusive in terms of what our classrooms look like. And so that raises really interesting and wonderfully complex questions in terms of the education of our kids, you know, effectiveness with all students, all learners from all backgrounds. Um, so that that's that's the big work. But what that's had me do over the years is look at all sorts of things that impact student achievement all the way down to what we teach our kids and how which is a backdoor way to one day land on this idea of Juneteenth and what it's all about. So that is great. So, all right. So let me ask you uh, kind of a a question. And this is kind of my own disclaimer. Um, And to say, listen, you know, I do a lot of different things. I'm not a hermit. I'm not a monk living in a monastery. And, you know, I read media, I read social media. What did I do wrong? How come I didn't even know there was a Juneteenth until five years ago? What did I do? Was I living under a rock? Well, you know what? I I think the, 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 the thing to realize is that we are all to some extent living under rocks that we don't recognize, okay. right? 
I don't care what generation you in, where where you are. In so any I'm in the moment. old and decrepit generation. That's me. That, that's you. Okay. Well, <laughs> I might be the 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 young whippersnapper generation. Okay. And there are rocks I'm living under that I don't see. I don't think folks. No, I know folks did not know what they didn't know. They did not know what they were not being taught, and we have not had the benefit of good scholarship always driving what our curriculum looks like and what we teach in schools. So we have long taught sort of partial histories and worse yet. Well, not worse. We'll say the dilemma is that one of the things that happens in classes and in, in a public education system is you're sort of taught your civic role, your civic space, your sense of who you are. If you went to a Catholic church, you a Catholic school, you might be taught history, English, this, that, or the other, but there's always going to be this inflection, this undertone of the values of the church, right? Right. So that's in many respects and in most respects, a good thing. But what if as part of that, we don't talk about certain things about the church and the church's history that are also present, but kind of awkward. And so we say, you're 13, you're too young for it. We're not going to teach it. What if it never gets taught? That's where we've been in terms of aspects of African-American history. So let's let's do our part, because even though Juneteenth is now a holiday um, and it's been talked about in the past, I don't know, five years or Mm -hmm. and I'm speaking from under my rock. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. um, but I still am. I'm still willing to bet that we have thousands of our listeners who are listening right now saying, Juneteenth? What's Juneteenth? That's so, right. so Professor, could you do your introductory lecture to our to <laughs> our uh, audience? And remember, our attention span isn't that great. So, give us the 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 yeah, quick yeah. note version. <laughs> sure. The, the 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 quick version uh, is that in 1863 in Galveston, Texas, a Union general uh, general uh, excuse me, 1865, 1863 is the Emancipation Proclamation. Right which declares those enslaved in Confederate states to be free, retaining slavery in the the border states that stayed loyal to the Union, right? So Lincoln's whole thing was, I'm not here to free the slaves, so to speak. I'm here to preserve the Union. But then when the rubber met the road and folks were like, declaring their freedom by just like literally walking off the plantations. The generals needed workers. Uh, the the troops wanted, you know, more uh, compatriots to work with. And so he was backed into this Emancipation Proclamation. That's 1863. June 19th, 1865, as everything's coming to a close, uh, a general issues, uh, general order number three, which declares all 250,000 people of African descent enslaved in Texas to be free. So the the word gets, you know, the sort of grapevine, the the informal telegraph, the word gets out and black folk experience or, or, or realize a sense of their freedom in the state of Texas. And it immediately becomes a point of celebration for black people in Texas, where from that, from the, you know, the next year, June 19th, 1866, 1867, 1868, you have celebrations across the state 
parades, picnics, bands, beautiful, beautiful celebrations that have become part of Texas history. If you're a Black person growing up in Texas, you're about Juneteenth. Ah, so so again, again, correct my history. Mm -hmm. Was Texas a state at the time of the Civil War? Mm -hmm. And and which side was it on? The wrong side. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So so what the general did, what the general did was basically to let the people in Texas know. That's right. Of the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, and yeah, in a sense. But the thing is, like you can issue an emancipation proclamation all you want. Right. right. But if I'm a, a, a state in a state of rebellion, right. They have declared your orders Got it. immediately useless anyway. Right? right. So these things have meaning. So there are folks enslaved up until the last moments. Yeah. And did I, did I remember you said 250,000? Yeah. That's, that's not a small number. It's it's not a small number, and it also created a really powerful sort of social shift and demographic shift in the state as black folk who were on plantations. So so the 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 decree is tricky because on one hand it says you're all free, yay, but it also says stay in place, and your former relationship of master to slave is now uh, like. Uh, worker, you know, worker to boss. Right. And and it it just felt kind of shady to black folk. And they weren't really feeling staying on the same plantation under the same relationship and just shifting a couple words around. Right. So black folks started moving and, you know, uh, moving to new places, looking for land, looking for safety in numbers so that, you know, black folk going to urban centers because they could find other Black folk and protect each other. So given we're speaking with Professor Kevin Forster, the Associate Chair of African and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. And one of the things we're talking about is Juneteenth. So very shortly, we're going to be celebrating Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we use this celebration throughout the country, uh, which is now a holiday. How do we celebrate, how how do we use it to further the issues of equality, dealing with the still very deep inequities that we have in society? How do we use it best? I, I really appreciate a question about how do we use something like a national holiday, right? Because what traditionally happens to national holidays? They become the days off. End of story, right? No, 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 no. In New York, let me let me be a little okay, bit okay. provincial. Also, yeah. days when you can find a parking spot easier. Uh, <laughs> there you the go. parking regulations right. get relaxed. <laughs> and in either case, those are unintended benefits, right? right? The intended benefit is the remembrance and recognition of our veterans or the remembrance or the recognition of our presidents or, you know, fill in the blank. So, you know, Juneteenth should rightfully be seen as an opportunity to not only celebrate and celebrate one another and celebrate our our growing commitment to our freedoms, but also to learn because not enough people 
black folk too, by the way, but folks in general, not enough people in our country have an understanding of our history, both the good things and the bad things. Juneteenth is an opportunity to celebrate you know, the parades and, you know, the picnics, all that sort of stuff. But it's also a time to sort of reflect and learn and ask questions. What the heck is this thing? And find people that know and, you know, ha- have have the conversations. And the crazy thing is that the past sometimes is prologue, for better or worse. And you can absolutely find connections to the decisions we're making today and the way we live today. So when you explore your history, you might grab a lesson about where we are today and how we might want to embrace certain things or let certain other things go. Yeah. So Professor Forster, am I, am I correct in saying that I think there's been a little bit of the positive use of the, uh, the January celebration of the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King by mm-hmm. a lot of volunteerism taking place on that day. Am, right. I, am I correct or is that just my own? No, I, I, I think so. But isn't that up to every community yeah. to make decisions about what these days are going to mean to them? Um, and so absolutely, there's a lot of volunteerism and there's a lot of good things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really up to like everyday folk in every community to just make decisions about how we're going to live this day. If I have kids, I have an opportunity. If I have a, a, a church community, right. I have an opportunity, you know, and, and on it goes. Yeah. So you, you said something interesting, and I'd like you to say a little bit more about it, that sometimes the past is a prologue to the present. Yeah. Reflect a little bit more on that, particularly in light of Juneteenth. Yeah. So all right. So I, I live in Austin, Texas. Right. Okay. Been here for, for a minute now, about 30 years. You know, I've heard I've heard rumors, Professor Forster, that Austin is thinking of succeeding from the rest of Texas. Emma, is that a rumor that has gotten here? Just I <laughs> will tell you do not want to get me started. Our ledge, our legislature <laughs> just concluded their regular session. They meet every two years. And I don't mean to talk out of school, but when they come to town just buckle up and and pray <laughs> pray because okay. they pass some interesting laws <laughs> um and they the the a lot of the texans like to call us the people's republic of austin okay they like to poke fun at us for being this and that and the other but at the end of the day we have a great economy we have yeah. a great community our yeah. diversity is amazing yeah um and yet <laughs> we, we 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 sometimes feel a little like the stepchild in our own state. Well, you know, I got to tell you, one of the reasons that is not total is even now some some New Yorkers are kind of fleeing to Austin. <laughs> Everybody's fleeing to Austin. I I, well, I want to shut the door at some point. Our growth <laughs> is explosive. Yeah, um, Californians, New Yorkers, like lots of folks are coming to Texas. Actually, um, in my church, just last week. Um, I was talking to a couple who's getting married and then moving to Austin. Moving to Austin. Good, <laughs> good gracious. Please okay. welcome them. Yeah, we will welcome. Okay. Yes, we will. Okay. We will welcome them. We will welcome okay. them. I was once welcomed to Austin, too. I'm from <laughs> Washington, D.C. Originally, of course, that is, you know, a long time ago. But yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, so so but but to this question of you know connections, right? Right. So when the Juneteenth decree is issued and black folk are encouraged to stay in place, but what they do is they 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 begin to migrate, they begin to move. Austin's black population grows. We already had a black population because there was cotton plantations on the outskirts. So we already had a black population. Other black folks said, hey, there's a city. There's federal marshals providing protection. This is post-Civil War. Right. Um, there's going to be jobs. There's going to be other black folk. And so black folk came to Austin and settled in. Well, it was within weeks of the uh, Juneteenth decree that the mayor of Austin and city council held an emergency meeting and passed, among other things, they enlarged the police force because they said, we're going to have a lot of Negroes here. We're worried about it. Let's make the police force bigger. Well, that's a kind of weird and scary connection and connectedness to, to make these kinds of assumptions about people that really all they were looking for was opportunity community and safety that's why black folk were coming to austin but they immediately got read as a threat so we first thing we did was enlarge the police force the second thing we did and this is crazy think of this we passed the first that i can find anti-vagrancy laws we'll call them ah. and they said if you are black and idling about and you can't tell us quickly enough you know where you're going or who you're working for we can arrest you fine you and if you can't pay the fine lease you out to the lowest bidder this is part of how we provide the labor to build the texas capital but it also becomes a mechanism of control here's the connection i'm making to the present day because austin's a warm weather city because austin has a loving population that really tries to take care of one another our unhoused population has grown and grown and grown. So we have had to think about ordinances and rules around um, the unhoused population. Can you stay here? Can you stay there? And when I would listen to the city hall meetings, the language sounded exactly like the language I read in the minutes of the June 1865 city hall meetings. So when I, you know, I actually made public comment to this uh, effect, I was invited to, you know, kind of speak to this. And I said, guys, folks, this is kind of scary. We're just trying to be good decision makers here and worried about our unhoused population and what we're going to do. But these laws were passing. The last time I saw this language was 1865, directed at Black folk, making assumptions about who they were and what they were all about. I was not the most popular guy <laughs> that evening. Yeah. When I said these things, but the language, it was unavoidable, the connections between the language. So here we are today thinking about how to deal with our immigrant populations, how to deal with our unhoused populations, how to deal with folks that are underemployed or unemployed. And right. sometimes if we're not careful, our language um, looks like language that we have now judged harshly 100 years later. So, Professor Foster, let me share with you something similar, but in a very, very different context. In, I mean, unfortunately, in the entire globe, the religion, the growth of 
religious persecution has been growing in recent years in a variety mm-hmm. of different ways. And some of the um some of the actions of of uh radical Islam have been obviously very disturbing. And when the when ISIS took over the plains of Nineveh, they issued kind of a decree, which I'm going to paraphrase, which basically said if you were Christian, you either had to pay exorbitant taxes, right. you had to convert, or you had to leave. I mean, it was very, very, um, very awful language. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The same language was used in 1492 by Isabella and Ferdinand, the Christian monarchs in Spain, about the Jews. It was almost word for word the same thing. Either you pay tax, high taxes, either you convert or you get out of here or you be killed. I mean, so when you said that, it just reminded me of, of, of the past can be instruct, can be helpful to us. Right. And I don't know how you do this, but how do you live into your religious understandings while also, and maybe it's not so hard, maybe it is hard, but you retain your passion for your beliefs, right. but you draw a line at the persecution of others. And, and you even go to pains to recognize the likelihood that you were violating the tenets of your own faith in your fervor, right? And so we see that all the time. You can go religion after religion after religion, and you you read their holy book and you go, oh, I I can get behind that. That's really cool. And then you say, wait a minute, how do we get from what this book is saying to this set of practices? And if we are truly, so God gave us brains. If we are true reasoners and thinkers, in addition to or in cooperation with our faith, then we are going to have the courage to 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 be willing to think things through and even think about where we're getting it wrong. And I would offer that that's the starting place. What am I doing? <laughs> Not what are you doing? What am I doing? And yeah. that let me start there and try to be the best person I can be before I worry about what everybody else is doing and pushing them down because of their dangers. Well, and, and again, Professor Forster, from, from my Christian tradition, we oftentimes will say what you just said is, hey, first look at the plank in your own eye before you... There you go. Then you, if you take the plank out of your own eye, maybe you'll be able to take the splinter out of your, your neighbor's eye. And it's... Um, you know, right. one of the one of the things I say about our our Catholic tradition, if we when we get it right, is that we have a firm belief in sin, and therefore we. I heard that about y'all. Yeah, and we do a lot of it. We do a lot of it, and uh, uh, and 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 forgiveness, and and we got to recognize that none of us get it a hundred percent right. And, um, you know, it, it, again, one of the little phrases I, I use periodically, it's like, well, I'm not okay. You're not okay, but God's okay. And that's okay. So it's, huh. it's like, you know, like you, 
kind of got to, you got to go with it. So it's, um, you know, it is, is something that, listen, you have been so, so good. You've written on this topic, haven't you? I've written a little bit about it. Um, yeah. And, and where, I can also, we, where can we read? Where can we read what you've written? Oh boy. So if you, if you went to Google Scholar or, you know, uh, you know, one of the search engines yeah. and, and found Kevin Michael Foster, you know, I, I have a lot of publications out. Most of my publications actually are about, um, you know, schooling, classrooms, that sort of thing. But one thing that I have that might be interesting to folks is I do have a television show on PBS Whoa. called Blackademics Television. Huh. And uh, in one of the seasons, it was season four, we're going into our 12th year and season four, all of our presenters were youth. And imagine a sort of TED Talks, but right. around Black Studies topics. Right. And one of the talks was by uh, some twins, um, the Smith young ladies who are now out of college. Uh, they were high school seniors at this point. Um, they're talking about Juneteenth and they're talking about the role of Juneteenth in their lives and the role, the positive possibilities for Juneteenth as part of their social studies curriculum. Good. Oh, that's so great. If you, yeah, yeah. So there's 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 good stuff out there. Hey Tom, will you put that on our on our website so people can can follow and and learn about that? Absolutely, Wilman's here for sure. And and uh and uh Professor Forster, I, I caught it in the beginning, but you just reminded me. Please come back again because I want to speak about school achievement. Will you come back I, sometime I would, again? Yeah, yeah, I would I would love to, um love to visit with you. I mean yeah. And I'd love to visit with your community as well. Right, so, right. so thank you for giving me an opportunity to chat with y'all and yeah. I'm happy to come back. Great. Professor Kevin Forster, Associate Chair of African and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Texas in the village of Austin. <laughs> the village of Austin. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
Now, let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We talk about what's going on in the world from the perspective of our Catholic social teaching. Um, We just had a very, very fine conversation with Professor Forster from from Texas in the university there um, about Juneteenth. Hey, Tom, when did you learn about Juneteenth? You know, Matsir, very probably around the time you did. I remember I used to see, you know, because I kind of get these calendars of different social justice occasions that were going on, and it always had Juneteenth listed. I never really knew what it was. <laughs> you know, they always had it listed, but it wasn't until really probably, like you said, about five or six years ago that it sort of started to bubble up in in the consciousness, and then you began to hear about it, obviously, and certainly after uh the you know the 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 murder of george floyd and things like that it became more prominent and 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 so and then obviously the federal holiday two years ago so but it really was only about five or six years ago that it really rose to my my radar screen i came out under my rock regarding it about then so yeah and i and i think i if my memory serves me right it for me it was after the after the uh the murder of, of george george floyd that um, uh, uh, that it that I I recall kind of for the first time mm-hmm. learning learning about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, Tom, we 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 in the upcoming uh, this weekend, and so is Father's Day and Dish Juneteenth, um, and I'm delighted that we have as our next guest two people from Bigs Little's New York City which is a mentoring program affiliated with Catholic Charities in New York. And we're going to speak with um, one big and one little. The bigs are those who um, who mentor. The littles are the those who are mentored. And so I'm really, really delighted that we have uh, two guests who are, who are participants in bigs and littles. Um, Jeff and um, Jonin, uh, thank you for being with us on on Just Love. Jonin, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate this. Great. Uh, so let me let me ask you, Jeff. Why don't you begin? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Bigs and Littles. Credit uh, my, let me think, uh, 14, 15 years of Catholic school. Uh, I went to Catholic school my whole life, uh, including Fordham University, which brought me to New York. And uh, once I was out of college, I wanted to stay involved in some social justice activities, some charity, that kind of thing. 
And uh, I came across Bigs and Littles. And, uh, you know, I was looking to to scratch a certain itch uh, of that mentoring that was so uh, important to me in my time in high school and college. And uh, I found this program and I've gotten to do it. That's what brought me here. Okay. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about the program. And uh, what is it? What's Bigs Littles New York? What's mentoring all about? Yeah, this is, uh, gosh, a, a way to uh, <laughs> make sure that that Jonan is can can take on the world uh, in in the best prepared way, um, and that's true for so many uh, young men and women across New York. I, I think the ages are something like eight to eighteen, eight years old to eighteen, uh, and it's just a way to connect. Uh, older New Yorkers, uh, anywhere from, you know, 20 somethings to much older with young New Yorkers and, and guiding them. Uh, it's been a little bit of everything. There's a lot of fun. Joan and I have done so much fun stuff, gone to Yankees games and, uh, played lacrosse in Central Park and, and, uh, gone on bike rides and gone to museums and seen movies together. It's a lot of that, but you know, it's also uh, it's a lot of the stuff we talk about in between. It, it's the the quiet mentoring, the discussions of schoolwork and relationships, and just growing up uh, into being a young man uh, like he is. That that uh, I can hopefully provide a good example, and then he can. Uh, teach me so much uh, as well about about himself and and about myself. Jonah, uh, tell us how did you kind of get hooked up with Bigs and Littles? How how did you come to learn about the the idea of the program? Uh, my mother came to me with the idea of joining the program after my god sister was in the program and she had a wonderful time. So I decided to give it a shot and. At first, I had one mentor, and um, that match didn't really work out. But then, then um, I wasn't really feeling ready to go into another match. My mom pushed me, and I was like, you know what? Okay, we could do this. And I, that's how I met Jeff. Ah, isn't that about moms? Moms kind of give us a push sometimes in the right direction when we maybe don't want to go in that direction ourselves. Oh, definitely. Joni, it sounds like you got a really good mom. Oh, I have a wonderful mom. <laughs> that that's great. So, but how's Jeff? Is he any good as a mentor? Jeff is amazing as a mentor. Oh yeah. As, Why? Tell us yeah. about him. What do you What do you like about Jeff as a mentor? Jeff is so adventurous and generous, and then at the same time, he's also so reliable. He's always there for me when I need him. He's always lending a helping hand, and he's always giving me new information. It's like I can never get tired of Jeff. Well. You know, I, I can tell you why I think Jeff's a good good mentor. He talked about going to a Yankee game. <laughs> yes. If he had talked about going to a Boston Red Sox game, it would have been all over. That's just a bad, bad mentoring. I've got to credit Bigs and Littles there. They have a, the organization has a good relationship with the Yankees, I feel like. And they've really been uh, connecting there with uh, with some free tickets for mentors every once in a while. So uh, thank you to them. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, let, let me keep that in mind, because sometimes we get uh, tickets from the Yankees at Catholic Charities. I don't know, Joan, if you 
if you want to go want to go again, maybe if we get some tickets, uh, we'll we'll make sure you and Jeff get them if you're interested. Oh, I'm definitely interested. Every time me and Jeff go to a bowl game, it's a it's a wonderful time. Well, but more from my perspective, when you go to the Yankee games, do they win? Yeah, I think I think every time we've gotten <laughs> they won, right? Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I think I think we're undefeated basically. Good, 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 good. Hey, did you see that catch that Aaron Judge made the other night when he ran through the wall? I did it. But but it didn't count. Did, didn't he get wow. injured from that? I mean, putting his body on the line. Got to appreciate that. Yeah, no, no I don't think he got injured, but no. but it didn't count because they said he caught it outside of the playing field. So they gave the guy a double. I didn't, I didn't understand that. <laughs> um, so let me go. Let me, so I'm going to ask both of you the same question, but from a different perspective. Um, Jeff, um, obviously you've had a pretty good experience from, from this. What, what would you say to other people like you, other guys like you, who maybe thinking about maybe they want to vote what would you say to them about what they should expect why they should do it what are some of the things they should be thinking about say i mean you know you you said guys i mean i'll I'll say explicitly they need men they need young men to be mentors uh because there is a long line of of young men uh mentees the waiting list uh, both at Bigs and Littles, at our specific mentoring agency, and then at other mentoring agencies I know across the city. There's always a shortage of, uh, of men stepping up to help here. And, you know, speaking from my perspective, I think that's especially important. I think there are so many, uh, you know, negative uh, things on the Internet, especially, and just influences out there on men. And I think having a, uh, you know, a steady mentor uh, to to guide and, and to, to work together on just growing up and learning about yourself, I think can be essential and can really set somebody up on the right path for their life. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have some strong male mentorship myself growing up as a teenager. And uh, now I hope to be providing that back once again. And, you know, I hope that everybody can, can see that importance. And yes, uh, of course, we love to have women mentoring as well. There's certainly a need among the young women of New York and the world, but uh, it's, it's the, where the shortage is, is the men. Um, so, uh, J- Jonan, from your perspective, if there were, you know, guys like you who like, like you who said, well, I don't know if I want to do this. This isn't, for me, fortunately, your mom pushed you. What would you say to your peers, like, why they should do it? And why should they get over their fears? They should do this because it's just a, a new opportunity and it's full of new adventures and things you can learn along the way. And it gets you out of your comfort zone at times. And it's, that's very important for kids in this generation to really get out their comfort zone and just be who they want to be in the world today. And what, what you speak for yourself a little bit. Um, what were you, why were you hesitant? What was some of the things where you said, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do like, how long did you argue with your mom 
before your mom finally said, Jonan, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, not long actually, because at first when I when I first met Jeff, I was very shy. I was really like I would say socially awkward. But then was it I thought about me not being in that space anymore. So I kind of just like took the chance and then I heard about what, more about what Jeff was about. And I just really thought I could connect with him. And I'm really happy that I joined the program. Ah, good. So you're, you're now what, a junior in high school? Yes. So what are you thinking about for college? For college, I want to go to John Jay Criminal Justice. Ah, okay. And what do you want to study? Oh, uh, criminal justice. Okay. And uh, what? Is, so, so, kind of tell our listeners um, why. What is it about that kind of field of study of that career that that attracts you? Mm. I've always wanted to help, just in general, and getting the opportunity to help the less fortunate and be a mentor to the youth. And just to be a good positive role model in today's society is really important to me. And as soon as I saw what, what police officers do in their everyday life and what they go through, I was really inspired by that. And I really just want to become that kind of figure in today's society. Okay. So let me, you know, again, let me, I, I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think our listeners would benefit from this. I mean, there's a lot of negative talk in some places about the police. I mean, and uh, what do you say about that negative talk about the police that obviously you you hear it, you, you're not immune to hearing it, but even having heard it, you say, hey, it's something that I want to consider. What's going on with the negative talk about the police? The negative talk, I believe, is just a few bad apples in the bunch. I just believe that the the goal of the police is to, you know, be that kind of figure to, like, keep people safe and just be, like, a, a guiding in some kind of sort. But then certain, like, sorry, certain events kind of paint a bad picture of what they're really trying to do, and it's... Of course, like the bad things are terrible and what they have and they should really stop. But people have to also keep in mind that's not every police officer. That's not what their goal is. Okay. Um, Jeff, uh, what do you um what do you see as kind of the next step in mentoring? Where do you where do you see um what do you, what else do you want to do to work with Jonan as part of the mentoring? Love to hear that uh, that he is interested in, you know, being a mentor himself. I know already in high school, he's doing some of that work with younger students. And of course, that's nice to me. I call myself a grand mentor sometimes, <laughs> like a grandfather, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, building up. But, uh, you know, I, it, it would just be fantastic to uh, to see, you know, with, with Jonan's critical thinking like that, um, you know, to, to have somebody like him uh, be in the the police force and, uh, you know, a, a force for good uh, in that system. Uh, and then otherwise, uh, you know, our next step together is college, right? He's uh, about to finish up his junior year 
And of course, I've gone through that process myself. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of decisions to make. And uh, we're working through that. That's our big project for the summer. Well, at least John Jay is kind of right down the block from Fordham University uh, Lincoln Center. It's nearby. Maybe, maybe you could at least take a course over in Fordham University. He's pushing the Catholic schools. I like to hear this. We'll, uh, we'll, we, we've gone to some events at Fordham together, and uh, I think we'll keep that up. Absolutely. Yeah, so anyway, hey, listen, um, Jonan, is there um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before I let you go back to studying and preparing your application for college? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners? I'd just like to say that this Catholic Charities organization is very a great resource, a great organization. I love being a part of the different branches of the organization that they have, like SYP, like SYEP, and of course, Catholic Charity uh, Mentorship Program. I just really want to encourage that people should come out, become mentors, become mentees, and really just get a new experience. Jonah, thank you so much. How about Jeff? You got a final word for us, for our listeners? Jonan, uh, Jonan should consider going into sales and marketing as another career. You know, he's he's out here. He's talking the good stuff about bigs and littles and Catholic charities. I totally agree. Great. Jeff, thank you so much. Jonan, thank you so much. And if we come across some Yankee tickets this summer, we're going to keep you guys in mind. But we'll watch the next time Aaron Judge makes a good catch. We'll know about it next time. Okay, great. Uh, we've been speaking with... Jeff, who is a big, uh, Jonan, who is a little at Bigs Little's Mentoring New York about their experience. And I'm going to put a plug in. If there are any uh, guys out there, although women are invited too, who are willing to kind of be a mentor, no better organization than Bigs Little's New York City. And a lot of people like Jonan can benefit from that. And I think as Jeff would say, when you do that, you benefit tremendously. You get a whole lot back in the in the relationship. So anyway, we'll take a break. Just love. Just love God. Just love yourself. Just love your neighbor. And our world will be more compassionate. It will be more just. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel. Sirius XM 129.
Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. This weekend, we celebrate Father's Day, and in just a day or two, we celebrate Juneteenth. Both of those days are very, very important days. Now, very, very different. And as we discussed with our first listener today, Juneteenth uh, is not very well known. It's becoming increasingly well known. But as Tom and I talked about, we didn't really know much about it. I didn't even know it existed until about five years ago. And I suspect there are a lot of people who still don't know about it. So I think this is a good opportunity to raise it up because it does, again, permit us with the opportunity to reflect on our past, reflect on the history of slavery, to reflect on the inequality that has been part of our history, and to realize that while clearly slavery has ended, thanks be to God, for many, many years, but there is still a tremendous amount of inequality. There's still a tremendous amount of prejudice, discrimination in a variety of ways, and we need to continue to be working on that as a society. And Juneteenth, is a reminder to us that we need to do that. Father's Day, another opportunity to recognize how important fathers are in families. Now, Mother's Day gets much more hype than Father's Day, and probably for a variety of decent reasons. But as we looked at um, the wonderful uh, mentoring program of Big Little New York City, And as Jeff pointed out to us, there are many, many young men around this around this country, New York, we're talking about now, who really um, could use some adult male in their lives to provide some mentoring reliability. So we need to support fathers in their roles. We need to support families. Uh, And that's a good opportunity that Father's Day permits us to reflect upon that. Um, So it's a weekend in which there's a lot going on, and we should use it to see how we can make the world better. Just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And the world would be more just and it will be more compassionate. It's a little bit you know, hard sometimes because we think of those big issues of inequality, of parenting, of family. But we also know that the little issues of each of us being more loving will create a better society. Join us again next week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You're listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. 